0: Hello, before we get into today's episode, I just want to put some information in the beginning, and that is we do talk about two things in this podcast. Today we're talking about Caddyshack, and that just happens to contain a scene where there is a female actress who was forced to do a nude scene. This is from her account. I don't want to go too deep into it because I don't want to tell her story for her. It's messed up that this happened to her, and unfortunately that this happens a lot in Hollywood. And I just want to make incredibly clear before we even get into the show that all of us are not okay with it. We don't stand by it. We do say this in the episode. It's messed up. And it's just unfortunate that it happens. I just really wanted to put a little extra emphasis on it. Now, second thing is there's mentions of racial slurs, but there's also mentions of homophobic slurs. I want to add on to that, that There's LGBT slurs in 80s movies. There's not just homophobic slurs. There's LGBT slurs. Third and final thing is that I do not hate Bill Murray. And I do not hate any of the actors in this movie. I just didn't enjoy Caddyshack. But that does not mean that these actors and these directors and these actresses are not incredibly talented people. I just didn't happen to enjoy their piece of work. With all of that said, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's get on with the show.
1: Warning, the following content occasionally contains adult themes and language, which is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
0: Hello and welcome back to yet another episode of Cinematic Rewind. Joining me today are my usual co-hosts, the Cookie Monster. Hello there. And Regent. Everyone. So today we will be talking about the 1980s film Caddyshack. So I literally just watched this for the first time last night. And I'm going to be honest, I'd never heard of this until one of our listeners brought it up for us to watch. I had never seen any ads for this, no commercials. I had never heard anyone talk about this or even reference it. I went in completely blind. I had no clue what actors were in it. Nothing. I'll definitely have some interesting things to say about this as the podcast goes on. So I want to ask both of you, and I'll start with Cookie, how did you first hear about this movie?
1: Well, before I even go in that, I'm still shocked that you didn't have any clue of it. They've released this movie on different formats for many years. VHS and DVD, Blu-ray. You might have saw it on a DVD case at a store and just didn't think of it, but... Probably. I digress. My history with the movie, I actually didn't watch it until recently. So before anyone gets crazy about that part, you know, my entire life I knew of it. The reason why I haven't watched it recently was because growing up, that wasn't the type of movies my parents would watch. And I saw R-rated movies growing up. So that wouldn't have been the issue there, not to put my parents on blast or anything like that. Like the nudity wouldn't like scare them away. They would have just had me close my eyes kind of thing. So that that wouldn't have been the reason, the cussing, anything like that. I really think it was just because that wasn't like our family's humor. The reason why I knew of it was because it did show up on TV. They do have an edited version that might have been on like TNT or something like that. A lot of movies from the 80s just show up on cable TV. They're not primetime TV shows. They're literally just filler. Just something to put on uh, the afternoon, a Sunday afternoon movie. I watched Saturday Night Live for a long time. So watching kind of like the history of Saturday Night Live, Bill Murray, Chevy Chase showed up a lot. And they did reference Caddyshack because Bill Murray was still on SNL during this movie. So they definitely brought that up during like the history of SNL. I knew of the movie. I knew about the golfing. I knew about the gopher, which I'm definitely interested to in talk about that because a lot of the marking that I saw as a kid, teenager, hell, even early adult years, the gopher came up a lot, but the gopher definitely felt like a very, very small subplot of the movie. So that's very interesting. First of all, when I when I finally watched that, that was definitely something that piqued my interest about that, but that ultimately is the reason is that it was just a movie that I heard of, didn't really seem like my type of humor, and I just watched it recently because it came up as a request.
0: I think one of the biggest reasons I've never heard of this movie is just due to the fact of we didn't grow up around these types of movies. My parents didn't really watch a lot of Bill Murray's work. They watched I think two of his movies when I was younger than I can remember, Ghostbusters, and Groundhog Day, which I still haven't seen Groundhog Day either. We didn't really watch a lot of his work growing up, or movies of this type, this type of humor.
1: That might be one of the reasons why. To be fair, this movie isn't really made for children. Right. That's one thing I will defend about your parents not having you watch it, because I'm giving my parents leeway because we just grew up differently, but... I can't front. It's definitely not a movie. I would think about showing my kids. Oh, no, no. no. Yeah. Maybe the TV edited version. Yeah, I think it's innocent enough for the TV version because they take out all the nudity. They take out all the cussing. Everything else is family friendly, really. When you take out those kind of things for for TV. Actually, that's a good question. Did you even have access to like cable TV?
0: Not for a long time. No.
1: OK, I can defend that. And by the time you were an adult, that's when you kind of switch, you know, you hit the switch anyway. Out of all the things you've ever brought up about why you can watch stuff, this one I can actually defend. Right. Like, I'm
0: not saying that they were wrong to not let me watch it, even as an adult. I don't care to watch it again. I can see why they wouldn't have let me because one, there's nudity in there. There's, there's boobies. a lot of cussing. There's <laughs> boobies. What? Crazy. But yeah, there's that in there. There's a lot of cussing. It makes sense. And I don't fault them at all for that. I don't even know if they did filter this out, but if they did, I I
2: don't fault them at all.
0: But I'm going to go ahead and throw it to you now, Regent. How did you first come across this movie?
2: So with me, it was actually more so with my father because he is a rest of soul. He was a big fan of Rodney Dangerfield. My dad was very adamant about quoting the not uh, getting no respect and like any of his other shticks. I mean, I watched the back to school movie that had him go back to, I think, college
1: that's my favorite rodney danger film movie
2: yeah same by far um caddyshack to me was just more of a funny just overall movie just from danger fields you know wheelhouse I mean, it was just more or less with my father watching it. It's where my first experience of this type of movie came into play. But I also grew up watching Saturday Night Live. So, like, I'm familiar with Chevy Chase, Bill Murray. It goes on and on. Like, all, a lot of the original cast during that time, it was back when SNL members could do movies and still be on cast. And there wasn't a, you had to do this or that. They didn't make you pick. Like, it actually helped each other out in terms of that. Like, people are like, oh, I saw a movie. Oh, hey, I remember him from Saturday Night Live. I'm going to go watch this. Or... Sorry, alive. Hey, this movie's come out. We're in it. You should go see it. People go see it. So, there's a lot of hand to hand with it. One of my favorite drinks is called a Caddyshack, which is basically an Arnold Palmer. So, half and half and half. There's a company called Peace Tea that makes a Caddyshack drink based off the movie. Mm,
1: That's cool.
2: For me, it's a good movie, but it's not something like Venture was something like he's a one and doneer. I can watch it in the mood. But you would also would see it on TV a lot when there was like a big golfing event. They just threw it in. There as like a parody almost, kind of like a tongue-in-cheek. Around Ronnie Danger's birthday, they would do like a movie catalog as an ode to him. And that'd be one of the movies they would play. That and then it would be back to school, like in rotation. Like you could not get away from it in the 90s.
0: One of the other things I wanted to bring up is the humor in this movie. Since it is a comedy and it's one of Bill Murray's movies. So I think talking about the comedy is giving it its due justice. What did you guys think about the humor? Because to me, I only laughed once in this movie. I only found one part to actually be funny, and the rest I just thought was absolutely stupid.
1: Venture, you're a boring man. Wait, on, no, you're sorry. a boring man. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, it I was, was bad throughout this movie, like from the start. <laughs> you take it,
2: right you no. take it back right now.
1: No, take it back right <laughs> now. Take it back. Take it back. No. Regent, I'll go first. I won't dibs on this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach this kid something. Oh my god, what? Man, you couldn't, <laughs> you could never handle '80s comedies films. Nope. Now, here's one thing I'll say, and uh, Regent, I'll, I definitely want your immediate feedback on this. Is that the very first thing I wrote when I was writing notes for the film, I was like, this has a 70s vibe like you can tell this was at the tail end in the 70s even though technically it's 1980 it was filmed in the 70s I definitely feel like it's more of a 70s film than an 80s film
2: that and also with the movie it was a it was almost a like next and step follow-up from Animal House
1: yeah exactly so it, it sounds like you do agree that it definitely feels like it was more of
2: that era versus like
1: a lot of the 80s movies we've seen Correct. Now, back to the humor, though, that does help bring in the humor wise. But even then, with it being back in the 70s, I mean, they still have funny movies. I laughed throughout the whole film. I think the humor was great. One of the things I'll let you know is Bill Murray, his character originally was supposed to be very like quiet, wasn't supposed to talk pretty much a mute. The director asked him to improv and he did such a great job. All his lines in the movie was improv, Bill Murray's character. So all that stuff, he was talking to himself and all the crazy things. And one of the best improv scenes I love that he did was pretty much any time that he had like the four golf women, (laughs) he actually asked the director, he was like, look, I got this great idea in mind. Just get like four women who are golfing and just turn on the camera. (laughs) That's actually like all that stuff is what he came up with on the spot. It was freaking awesome. So you got stuff like that. Like Regent talked about earlier, like SNL humor. I don't know, Venture, do you even watch SNL? Have you ever watched at any point? Sometimes. Like, I'll watch bits and pieces, but I've never sat down to watch an entire episode. Okay. I mean, the current generation is definitely far different. But I would say, hell, even before 2000, I, I would give you in the 90s, if you enjoyed that humor, I mean, you would love this kind of kind of movie. I'll give this credit to the movie with this humor. I know I'm giving it a lot of credit for it being funny, but... On a more of like a professional way of putting it, I felt like it was an amazing parody of golfing. They made it in a presentation of just a general comedy movie. I say that because the parody didn't go too strong. And I come from the era of the scary movies, the superhero movie, the disaster movie, all the stuff where it was like over the top parody. This one was like, you could kind of see it being realistic of this dumb stuff happening to these people. So it was a parody, but also it was just a fun movie to follow along the path. Let's do Bill Murray. Cause I feel like all his scenes were hilarious. Why didn't you find his stuff funny?
0: There was not much there for me to personally laugh at. Like the first scene that he's really in is him at a different camera angle to where it's supposed to look like he's jerking off to these ladies who are golfing. And I'm sitting there watching, I'm like, why? It's a bit sus.
1: Oh, man, you took it super serious. Oh my gosh, from the start. (laughs) I didn't even go
0: into it knowing that it was supposed to be a comedy, I didn't know what the movie was. So I just went in there ready to watch a movie. I'm sorry I didn't find it very funny.
1: I know you're a lost cause.
2: Regent, you take it from here. <laughs> <laughs> one question is who hurt you? Uh, who hurt you when yes. comes this movie?
0: All right. I will tell you the one bit I did actually find funny. Man, this is gonna make me sound terrible. Like I absolutely have no sense of humor.
1: You already sound like that. <laughs> okay, I
0: want to see if you guys can guess what
1: scene I actually laughed at based off of that alone. Probably one of the gopher scenes, probably. No. Okay. It was the credits. Yeah. Exactly. Nope, I, hate the, I
0: hated the credits. I turned it off as soon as I saw that. I turned it off. <laughs> so it's actually right after they start draining the pool. And it's not even the fact that he ate it. It's the fact that the woman freaks out and faints. That was the
1: one bit I laughed at. I mean that was funny but that's the only bit. Yeah. Even leading up to it that shit was so funny how they were just so scared of the pool. Like don't get me wrong that that's some real shit too if I saw that in the, in the right. pool I'm like I would treat it like a shark like oh gosh I got to get out of here. But that's also what made it so funny. It was like they had to clear out. They're like oh gosh. Mm-hmm. And the woman on the pool just like watch out for it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think it's a move, another one of those movies where if you think about it after watching it, it's more funny that way. Which, I know several movies like that. It's more funny to quote or to think about than it is to actually watch.
1: For you, yes.
0: Yes, yes. For me. Like, I'm not saying this is my opinion's universal and that everyone yeah. should think this. This is just the way I
2: viewed it. I mean, this, I mean, this is your show, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> mm, everyone think the same.
2: I wanna hear Regent's opinion on the comedy then. How did you feel about it? I mean, I grew up around that comedy, so I was already acclimated to like the humor and what they're going for. And if you've seen any movie with Chevy Chase or Ronnie Dangerfield or Bill Murray, you, you knew what you were getting out of it. Now, granted, Ronnie Dangerfield, this was his first like major movie for him because he was mostly a night nighttime comedian, I'm like I think Johnny Carson in my memory Mr. right or Letterman, it was one of the two. Thirty-six times on the Tonight Show, he has performed his com- comedy. So like he was a constant guest, like he was basically a staple that show for the longest time, like if you were watching that show, you knew Dangerfield was going to be performing like you had a high probability to see him do his comedy. I enjoyed the comedy. It's not one of the movies I quote per se, but it's also because I didn't watch it enough times to really hone in on remembering all the quotes.
1: Yeah, I don't feel like it's a quote heavy movie anyway. There wasn't enough standout moments to quote. I am definitely someone who quotes a lot of movies. I'm definitely one of those, like even through college, college was probably my worst years because me and my roommates, literally, that's how our whole conversation would go about anything. We were just pretty much quoting all sorts of freaking movies. That's how we would get through conversations. While I was watching it, I still enjoyed it. I didn't see enough stuff that I would use in other situations. Now, whenever I golf again, oh yeah, I'm going to have hella fun because I'm going to think about all the best moments in the movie and bring that up.
0: Now, this does raise a question. You guys have both said you grew up around this type of humor and around these actors and around their comedy skits and their comedy work. Do you think because you grew up around their work and you watched this growing up, did that impact how you watched the movie and how funny you found it?
2: I'll let you go first. For reason. Partially, yes, because I like you knew what was coming and we didn't go into like your situation of going with a fresh set of ears and eyes to the movie as a whole and like getting to know what they had to offer. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure for myself, my opinion or comedy of laughter was skewed because of knowing who was in it.
1: What about you, Cookie? I would say mine wasn't impacted at all. Now, granted, I will admit I've seen all three of them. I've seen their movies, but Quite a bit of my laughter through the film didn't even really have a lot of them in it. So like Rodney Dangerfield dropping the anchor on the guy's boat. I was laughing at both sides of it. The guy's reaction and Rodney Dangerfield doing it. I feel like they could have just had anybody do it. And I still would have laughed because I was been like, man, this dude can't catch a break. Like it was just funny for me. Even that guy. Let's talk about that guy. uh, I'm horrible with names. So it's pretty much the rich guy who treats his caddy bad. You know, the senator guy. I think he was a judge. So him. I loved all his, his stuff, like even in the beginning, even though he comes off as like the guy you're supposed to hate. I loved his character, even from the start. As soon as he did his first bit, I was, yes, I'm going to like this guy. Not like I want to be him or anything, but just like enjoy his presence on film. He's a great example of where I would just laugh whenever he would just have his scenes because of just the comedic acting he would do. And he didn't even seem like it was that much of a comedy actor he was just like really angry on things or he would just do stupid stuff like kicking the golf ball. Like that shit was funny to me. Like <laughs> he would like get the ball in places and you look around and start kicking it. Like that's, that's humor that I enjoy. So it was just funny for that. You know, after all this shit, he talks and he's like, Hey, look away, kick the ball and mm-hmm. shit like that. So moments like that is a great example of why it did help bringing them in. I would say I came with a bias, but it brought the humor up. It brought the humor to a level I would rewatch. I'll give you that. If they weren't in the film, I don't know if I would rewatch it. I would gladly rewatch it even now with some, you know, by myself or with somebody. If Bill Murray, Rodney Dangerfield and Chevy Chase wasn't in it, then I can give you that, that I don't know if I would rewatch it.
0: Mm -hmm. With that all being said, I'm going to say something a little bit controversial.
1: You
2: already did.
0: Another one. Another one. Yeah, I was about to another one. Let's just keep adding to the list. <laughs> so I think the biggest thing this movie has going for it is people who are nostalgic for that type of humor and for Bill Murray.
2: You have to remember, too, Bill Murray has an entire lore dedicated to him just about him in general. Doesn't matter about his acting, like literally anything outside of that about him. It's all like urban legend. Mm-hmm. Like And that's where he's such a popular, like, cult-like figure in terms of, like, you know, fandom and things like that. And I've seen people have, like, T-shirts of just his face or, you know, like a poster of him um, just pointing at the screen, things like that. He does carry himself in a way that, like, he he could literally play an international international man of mystery and no one would be surprised whatsoever.
0: Now, I do want to say that just because I didn't enjoy the movie or the humor or anything about it really does not mean that these actors or actresses or that the filmmakers are not talented or they're not very good at what they do. It's just not something I enjoyed. And that's, to you listeners, I honed in to both of you. I think everyone involved in this movie is very talented. It's just not something I enjoyed.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you can't always like everything you see. Right, yeah, yeah. And most of the world, or at least I should say most of their gross disagree with you so mm-hmm. that's that's also the nice thing <laughs> it's like yeah I think a lot of people definitely enjoyed it they've sold a lot and made a lot of money off the movie jumping off of that actually that makes sense for why I said my opinion is that all three of them that I spoke of they improved a lot of things improved a lot of scenes in the movie that made it a good thing ultimately because I do feel like that helped the success one of the reasons why I enjoyed it more however there was a negative behind it. Most of the staff hated that they improv. Ultimately, a lot of the stuff was cut that the other actors and actresses did to fit in a lot of the the top three improvs into the film. Hmm. Now, I'm not taking away from it, but I'm just pointing out how interesting it is. Because most of the staff actually hated that they did that, including him. Because when you look at the movie, it's a large cast that's in the film. A lot of characters actually play bigger roles. I mean, Chevy's Chase character ultimately doesn't play that big of a role when you really think about it. That was something I picked up when I got to the end of the movie. I was like, the intro to the movie kind of made it look like he was going to play a bigger role. He's really just a side character, mm-hmm. but he plays more emphasis because of his humor and his name not saying that the staff was wrong for being upset it's just interesting because would the film been would have been successful especially from a production standpoint if you're investing all this money paying for all these actors and actresses was it the right move that they chose
0: Mm -hmm. i think that's an important question to ask about a lot of comedy movies especially since more comedy movies do improv than any other is would they be nearly as successful if these actors didn't take these liberties to improvise their scenes?
2: Well, the biggest thing with the movie was that the original studio that was able to say, hey, I'm on board with it, they had a contingency that they needed a star or they were not going to go forward with the movie. And that's that's where Chase came into play.
1: Hmm. Along that, with talking about making choices for the movie, there was a big issue. And I think you all picked up on it. I know I did, and I definitely feel Venture did. There's a lot of areas in the movie where it doesn't necessarily feel like a smooth transition to the next scene. Something will happen. This will kind of be out of place or this will be just like some random subplot and then it'll just cut back to the movie or like the main plot. The reason is because they had four and a half hours of a final cut of a film and they had so many things going on and no one could agree that eventually they just settled on one version of the film and that's the one that everyone saw. I couldn't get too much in depth of who made the final decision. Probably someone in the production group, that was already a big challenge for them is they cut out a lot of the movie, more than half, more than half of the final approved scenes.
0: That does change the movie and actually does give some good perspective. One of the biggest things I did notice is the movie didn't feel consistent at all. There were so many narratives that were either opened or closed before you either got to see the closing of that said narrative or the opening. You're just there and you mm-hmm. see one thread ending and you see another one opening. It was confusing at some points because one of the th- threads I noticed is Danny Newman's, his character is pretty much, if you take him out, the movie doesn't change that much. If you take his like backstory out and you just replace him with another caddy, the movie doesn't change pretty much at all. Oh yeah. You're right about that. But he's supposed to be like the main character. You replace him with any of the other regular Joe Schmoe, caddy and the movie changes nothing because you can have anyone go after a scholarship, but then at the end of the movie, he doesn't even really want it. He just, I'm going to go after money that I'm not even going to get.
1: Yeah. That was one of the things I noticed. One potential way I saw is that they said it's either that this is the original script or one of the actors said that it was supposed to be that. But to the point is that the movie was supposed to be like a coming to age. That was their plan. If they couldn't get pretty much the main three, I'm just calling them the trio, the, the three guys. If they couldn't get them on board, outside of their improv and humor and all that, that's essentially what the movie was supposed to be was for that character. Danny was supposed to have a coming to age, just transition in life, you know, kind of one of the things he learns a big lesson. Those three guys were supposed to just help keep humor throughout the movie so it wouldn't get serious. But it ultimately they took the shine away. We go back to what I was. I pointed out the question is if it was better or not. I was only interested in watching this because of those three. That's why they're on the front cover for a reason. I know, Cookie, you will normally always come with some
0: sort of interesting behind the scene information, which you've already brought some to the podcast. Is there anything else you want to bring up?
1: Let's get into something juicy then. How about that? Let's talk about Cindy Morgan. That is the, the blonde love interest in the film. That was a confusing character for me in the movie. I saw her hook up with two guys and I didn't understand what was the purpose. And I think that's another thing in the movie that definitely got cut is that why did she go from, you know, Chevy Chase and then to Danny, like that would have been fine. Like, hey, you know, you can sleep with whoever you want, but it would have been nice for it to make sense. You know, was it that Chevy Chase character was just uninteresting or he he wasn't able to open up and then you found... More of that chemistry with Danny, like that would have been cool. I point that out because that really caught me off guard. Because I was like, "Hey, that's a lucky kid," and I enjoyed the scene, like, "Hey," you know, <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> I couldn't help but be confused because afterwards, it almost like they didn't really ever touch bases again with them doing anything. So it was like, was that just a random hookup or some shit? Like, it led to the ultimate part of the whole with him trying to get out the house and all that kind of stuff. So it did lead to that, but for the effort they put into that part. Cause they could have easily just had like the lights go out or something like that. They didn't really have to really show that they were connecting physically and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't front from a watching standpoint. I I can't help but feel this is like a director taking advantage of a situation of like getting a naked woman on film. That's just me being upfront of my, my perspective on that. Cause you could have easily just had them start kissing, turn off the lights or pan the camera and have them wake up in bed together. Same effect. Yep. Now, I gave that whole spiel because this still relates to her, is that she had a lot of issues with the film. She actually did not want to be nude in the film. Because when you look at how much screen time she's naked, that's not like a small amount of time. She had to be filmed a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, one second of being naked in front of people, especially like a filming cast is going to be already like a lot of work and a lot of mental capacity. So to do multiple scenes, this is why this gets juicy is because, She's gone on record to pretty much say she was pressured into it. And she was threatened that she would never be able to work in Hollywood again. Now, not to bring down the energy, but that's just unfortunately something Mm -hmm. that even I couldn't just hide. Like, it was just a very interesting thing about the movie. I'm not going to speak on her behalf. I haven't done thorough research because to be honest, I'm I'm being careful about how much I want to dig into this kind of thing. But I'm just going by what she's put on record. So I say all that because I'm not going to necessarily say like. I'm going to enjoy the movie less. I will defend that I saw no need for her to be naked in the film mm-hmm. at, at all. It did not change anything for me.
0: I'm with you on that. That's terrible that that, had, that happened to her. That's happened, unfortunately, that happens a lot in Hollywood. I've heard so yeah. many stories like that. For instance, Evangeline Lilly was forced to take her clothes off in
1: Lost. I, I've actually never seen Lost, but that still sounds fucked up if she was forced to. So, yeah, with this one, one of the only few things I don't enjoy about 80s movies and 70s, too, I feel like 70s was actually worse. When it comes to nudity in film, I'm all good with it when it makes sense. Like, I get people want to see sex scenes and all that kind of stuff, but I feel like there's a different place for things. If I'm watching a comedy film and you're trying to show this kid going through things and coming of age and stuff like that, I get that's kind of like the the thing that they always want to push is that the kid gets a hookup in some form, either the girl he's chasing or he gets with like a hot, hot woman or cougar. Like I get all that stuff, but when we have to actually start seeing them naked is where I'm like, eh, this is too much. Like, <laughs> I, mean, mm-hmm. like I get the point like, kind of thing. I point that out because not to turn this, this particular podcast into a whole different conversation, but I do feel like it's, it's something that annoys me when it's, directors get away with getting some of their fantasies out there. I just, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's just, I'll say that and I'll leave it at that. But that's how I feel about that is like, I feel like they take advantage of the situation. Michael Bay is pretty much just as bad, even though he doesn't get them naked. Michael Bay is the same way. Like he always got to get angles on the models Mm -hmm. where it's like, do you really got to get the camera that low on the ground up the skirt? And this is a robot movie. Like this is about robots and you're selling kids toys. Why are we got a camera up this girl's skirt? Like Mm -hmm. It's stuff like that. or, Or I'm just like, I can't sugarcoat that. Like this is just a director taking advantage of the situation.
0: Yeah. One of the instances where nudity in this movie sort of worked now, I don't know. If this woman was also pressured into it is during the pool scene. there's just a topless woman in the pool when everyone's getting rowdy and out of hand. That makes more sense than the sex scene.
1: yeah, that was funny. I can't front when I saw that, I bust out laughing because moms like I, you know, I just call older women moms. <laughs> she was just like, "Put put your bikini back on." <laughs> ask, do that So I do agree when you have things like that where they're quick shots. Yeah, I, I doubt they are, but I'm not going to speak on their behalf either. I'm with you. I hope not. But with those, I mean, you could just hire a porn star to be naked in a pool. You're used to putting being naked, right? Yeah, All right, we'll pay you a hundred bucks for a day. To just be naked for like two minutes on screen, you know, kind of thing. Versus like you got to have any real acting or name behind it.
0: Next time I'm going to look to see what a movie is, because if it's a comedy, I might go into it looking for a laugh versus just going in and looking
1: to watch a movie i do agree i think you should from here on out at least just get to a or ask us one or the other so like for example one of my favorite 80s movies is the beverly hills cop series and also lethal weapon sometimes i go back and forth are they comedy movies they're comedy movies to me but they're also action films Their action adventure films. That was one thing the 80s movies did so phenomenally well was that you didn't care. You wasn't caught up like, is this an action movie or is this a comedy movie? They had such a beautiful balance that you couldn't tell the difference. So that's a good example of where like, yeah, I would say give Beverly Hills Cop a try. But you can look at it from a movie standpoint versus trying to only look at it as a comedy.
0: Hmm. I will take that into consideration next time I watch one.
1: To wrap up things... I do want to add a couple more items. Rodney Dangerfield. Actually, Venture, you do have to answer this question, though.
0: Uh-oh. Do you know who Rodney Dangerfield was before you watched this? I had never seen any of his stuff. No.
1: That's fair. I mean, he has his own little bit of a legacy. I, I hate to say a little bit. I think that's offensive. But you kind of get my point is that he has a legacy. He passed away in 2004. He he had a legacy more stronger in the 70s and 80s. Some some stuff in the 90s. That's how I got introduced to him was in the 90s. And then I watched some of the stuff on cable TV, the edited stuff and some things on HBO. But I point that out is because with that being his first film, it was also he was kind of awkward on set that he was so new to acting that essentially the director, he had to get to a point where to get Rodney to do the scene, he would say, because you know, you do action and all that stuff. <laughs> they would do action, and Rodney would just literally just stand there, just staring at a wall. <laughs> he's <was> like, Action. <laughs> just stand there. So he'll have a conversation, like, hey, you good? He's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'll do action again. He's just still standing there. So he was like, Okay, how about this? Like, you just do your thing. And he's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. So he would say this phrase, do your bit. And so any scene that Rodney was gonna start, he would just say, Do your bit, and that's how he would do the scene. <laughs> I love Rodney's scenes because you could tell it was improv and it was phenomenal because he was like working the room just like a, a stand-up comedian would. It was also for me to watch because it was like him in his natural element, not him acting. And I thought that was just really cool that essentially the director was like, just do your thing, fam. <laughs> do your yeah. thing. Turn the cameras on. Camera rolling. All right, let me do my thing. The other one, this was interesting. This goes back to how uh, the whole movie was originally supposed to be made and a lot of the plots that was cut out. Maggie, the girl that had the was pregnant found out she wasn't that girl. You probably noticed her accent, right? Kind of fell out of place. She was supposed to be an exchange student. Oh. Never was talked about in the film. That's why she had an accent. And that makes the whole her being pregnant, that just heightens it even more. Because this is not just like some girl he probably grew up with. She was from another country as an exchange
0: oh,
1: student. no. <laughs> she got Potentially pregnant. But yeah, that even changes that to to like, no wonder that was even worse when she was just like, oh no, kind of thing. I'm pregnant. But yeah, that's my wrap up on that one. I will give my final notes for this. I enjoyed the movie. I will watch again at some point. Uh, I have friends who've told me it was good. So they were excited that we were going to talk about this. I can't help but I got to bring up that. Jew, Catholic and the color board joke, I was so happy that that was like the only racist thing in the movie because I was so worried. I was like, oh, man, please, please don't make this like a recurring joke in the movie colors, in bombs. Thankfully, they just did that. That just goes back to the 80s vibe where 80s movies usually have one or two really fucked up racial slurs or like homosexual slurs, things like that. Just offensive slurs essentially across the whole board, really. They usually have one or two and they they do that because unfortunately, it's to relate to the norm. Society finds that normal. So you kind of like Acknowledge it in the film. I'm not giving them an excuse to it, but I feel like that's why they add those things into the movie because it's like, unfortunately, this is actually a regular thing, and we want to acknowledge this in a humorous way. Right. But love the movie. I do recommend it to people who love comedy. It is unfortunate that you weren't able to laugh at as much as we have, but I can definitely understand and respect it, especially since you come from a different generation.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not to say that it's a bad movie. If you love comedies and you love Bill Murray's work or if you love any of these other comedians work, I highly recommend it. This might be a movie for you. It's just not for me. And that's that's perfectly fine. I think there is quite a bit of nostalgia going for it, for sure. I wouldn't say it's a bad movie. So I think that covers Caddyshack pretty well. Regent and Cookie, thank you very much for joining me for another episode and for introducing me to a movie about golf and 2% about killing a gopher.
1: Yeah, we didn't even talk about the gopher. Good. You're most welcome.
0: Listeners, thank you very much for listening. If you did enjoy, please tell a friend. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to spread a podcast. Thank you again for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye.